If I were Oprah Rich, every woman in the world would have a copy of Their Eyes Were Watching God. But I'm not Oprah, and neither is my bank account, so this podcast episode is going to have to do. Set in the historical town of Eatonville, Florida, Hurston introduces us to Janie, a 16-year-old who is forced into an arranged marriage by her grandmother, seeking financial security and social status. But when love for her unwanted husband never arrives, Janie runs away from her grandmother's dream on a search of her own. On this episode of Forks and Fangs, we discuss my obsession with all things Zora, tattoos, and Florida history. So don't go away. Are you currently looking for a bookstore that has a great selection of books? Well, Kizzy's Books and More is that bookstore. Visit www.kizzysbooksandmore.com to purchase your next book for our book club. Use coupon code VULGARGENIUS to receive 10% off the subtotal of your first order. We are so grateful to Joe and Jill for welcoming our family into theirs on this incredible journey. And to the woman most responsible for my presence here today, my mother, Shamala Gopalan Harris, who is always in our hearts. Uh, When she came here from India at the age of 19, she maybe um, didn't quite imagine this moment, but she believed so deeply in an America where a moment like this is possible. And so I am thinking about her and about the generations of women, black women, Asian, white, Latina, Native American women who throughout our nation's history have paved the way for this moment tonight. Women who fought and sacrificed so much for equality and liberty and justice for all, including the black women who are often too often overlooked, but so often prove they are the backbone of our democracy. We gotta do. Yes. Welcome back to Forks and Fangs. Woohoo! A Vulgar Jesus production. <laughs> I'm Veronica. And I'm Denny. And tonight is a special night that we didn't know was going to happen tonight, but... We always recorded special nights. <laughs> this one is extremely special because tonight we just saw Kamala Harris and Joe Biden give their acceptance speeches. We mm. have made it to the promised land. Yes, there's Woo-hoo! light at the end of the tunnel. Um, we would have, an, you know... A new government. Yes. By January. So we are looking forward, like, half of America is, because <laughs> we are very divided, unfortunately, but, but, like Kamala Harris said, she would serve all of the American people. Yes, yes. So we must... We must look into that direction. I want to give a special shout out to our listeners if you reside in the states of Georgia, Nevada, 
Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. I I just want to say thank you, um, Michigan. Where you at? I mean, mm-hmm. y'all y'all have done an amazing job in helping our country um, begin a path to peace. Turn a new leaf. <laughs> we got to do better, and and today is a sign that anything is possible. We just saw the very first Jamaican. Indian immigrants, daughter of immigrants, make it to the White House. And this yep. is... We're this in, is y'all. Huge. We're in. Let's <laughs> go. Asian masses, where you at? Jamaica, stand up. This is this is a huge night for America. And if you were one that went out and voted and voted for the, for the right side of history, we, on behalf of Vulgar Genius, we say thank you. Thank you for voting... Um, for the future and the children of America. Um, and on behalf of Florida, you're trash. You're trash. I'm glad I live in Orlando. Orlando we... is not Florida. <laughs> I just want you all to know Orlando is it's not Florida. Florida. We but turn blue, okay? Yeah, but you know, but we're trying, we're creeping up, but still, it's. Uh... <laughs> it's going to take some hard work and. You know, we we got them in, and now it's time for them to do the hard work too. And we need to stay on their asses as they, as they start their um, new season in the White House next year, mm-hmm. January twenty. Let's go, let's do the damn thing. And uh, if you live in the state of Florida, um, it's time to straighten up, fly right. We have a governor that we need to get out of office, and we need to turn this motherfucking state blue then okay we we could have had it but y'all fucked it up so um (laughs) we got to get it together all florida y'all listening okay so moving on to why we are really here um we are going to talk about their eyes were watching god so let me just interrupt yes go ahead (laughs) this is veronica's favorite book (laughs) of all time Mm mm-hmm if you see her, she has a tattoo on her forearm, inner forearm, lower forearm to be exact, closer to the wrist, okay, <laughs> of uh, symbols of this novel. So I think now would be the right time to ask her what those are. Oh. Let's start from top to bottom. Top to Elbow bottom. to wrist. <laughs> okay, so the symbols, there are one, two, three, four, five symbols on my on my arm um kind of like in the style like of a hieroglyphic okay yes um if you can see it yes <laughs> I'll, maybe i'll post a picture we'll see but on my arm there is an eye uh and it is to somewhat tell the story so the eye definitely is stands for the title their eyes were watching god mm-hmm um, the next symbol is a is a bumblebee because you see a bee is uh, pollinating a flower, a pear blossom, and underneath the bee is a picture of a pear blossom. Mm-hmm. So those two go together, and it is the first time where Janie in the novel realizes that this is what she's she wants, she desires for herself, yep. she wants love uh, from watching the bee pollinate. The flower. the flower is such a sensual, sensual uh, image. Um, the next 
the next two, I kind of, confession, <laughs> I put them out of order. Because when I originally had sent the design to the tattoo artist, I only had four symbols. And then when I got there, I realized like, oh, snap, I'm missing one. And it was a boat. It was a little ship. Um, because the first line of the book talks about, you know, uh, the ships on the horizon mm-hmm. and it really was should have been like the second symbol but it ended up being the last one it's so right. above that is a the the um the sign for hurricane uh because of the end of the book of them having to go through the hurricane mm-hmm. um i i wanted to do it this way because i wanted like a minimalist tattoo that would force people to ask me what is that on your arm and what does mm-hmm. it mean and then me have a geek out moment of telling them this is based on my favorite story <laughs> by Zora Neale Hurston and I would just go into the whole thing and then you can see like people's eyes kind of like glaze over when I get onto like the whole telling of the story but <laughs> it is my conversation piece because people always ask me what that is and especially children, when I used to work with children, they always asked me um, what it was on my arm, what it meant. So maybe maybe I'll post it up in the instant stories if you all get a chance to see those. But yes. that's what I have on my arm. My next tattoo, I, I, I'm debating whether to actually get one of the book covers as like a sleeve, like a half sleeve, or... A picture of Zora Neale Hurston herself, but I don't know. I'm debating. But she, that's where we are. I can't do tattoos because I can't commit like that. <laughs> and I'm the married one. Okay. <laughs> that says a lot. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my little my little Q and A. So my little interview there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so their eyes were watching God is written by Zora Neale Hurston. She was a writer who grew up in Edenville, Florida. Edenville, Florida is uh, like right outside of Orlando, Florida. Mm -hmm. And it was the first incorporated city in the entire United States that was um, founded um, by black people. Mm -hmm. And um, so for the longest time, it has been thought that Zora Neale Hurston was born in Edenville when she was actually born in Alabama. And at the age of three, her family moved to Florida. And then she grew up in Edenville at that point. Mm-hmm. So um, she is huge in our in our Florida history. It's a person that um, is incorporated in the English curriculum. Maybe not so much now, but when I was growing up, uh she was present there is a festival that happens every year that mm-hmm. started in the early 90s mm-hmm. um that happens in Edenville and it was big when i was when i was young so it was like around the age of 10 11 mm-hmm. that i um had an opportunity to go to these festivals and you had like vendors who would sell african clothing and books and food oh the food the food the food <laughs> You had, like, African dancing and drumming. It was a huge festival, and uh, they still continue to have it. Unfortunately, due to the pandemic, they've had to alter it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to be like a hybrid. So if you uh, are wanting to go to this festival but you're unable to participate, they will be 
you know, hosting things online. Online. Um, But it's all in celebration of this wonderful author um, who, when she wrote, you know, she was huge in the Harlem Renaissance. She was really Mm -hmm. close friends with Langston Hughes before they had a huge fight um, and never talked to each other ever again. Ever again. They were working on a play together. Unfortunately, um, their friendship was severed during the writing of the play, but she is was at that time one of the, if not the largest names when it came to writing. Unfortunately, when she passed away, uh, it was due to a stroke, um, and she she had a stroke, and then she sent like her this manuscript that she wanted to have published to her publisher. Um, unfortunately, she ended up dying before it got published, and um, she died poor, and she was buried in an unmarked grave. And the writer Alice Walker was mm. monumental in finding her grave site. Mm. Um, and this was probably like in 1975, she wrote an article called In Search of Zora Neale Hurston. Mm-hmm. And um, it and it talks about how she went on this search to find out you know what happened to her where her body is located how did they even get to this point um so it's really important to know the history of Zora Neale Hurston because her big thing was not only just writing books but her um documenting documenting very important things within African culture Mm-hmm. Um, she was heavy in research. She was an anthropologist by trade. Like this is mm-hmm. this was part of her. She wasn't just a writer. This was a, a career that she had mm-hmm. with going and seeking out all this information that she would incorporate into the books that she wrote. Um, so we owe her a lot to you know to documenting what happened in Edenville um, in her life, and she wrote about black people in a way that was different than what writers were doing during that time. Mm -hmm. Um, They were really big on writing about race, where she was big on writing about the black experience. Yeah, just their lives. And those those moments that not necessarily focus on, on the movement of black people in a way that a lot of other people were writing, Mm -hmm. but more on, like, the parts that I think uh, that often got neglected. And Mm -hmm. so Their Eyes Were Watching God is a tale of this woman in search of love, period. Yep. Period. And um, what I found out in my research today was that this story is is based on her relationship story so this has made me want to even learn a lot more about who she was as a writer it's it's steamy it's it's full of tragic events there are also some funny ones i've read this book this is probably my ninth time reading this novel and, and every... she tells me like I don't remember I'm like how could you I did not, not remember I honestly there are certain scenes in this book that I often forget and um you know I'm reminded when I'm reading the book but I I swear if I if I don't read this book in the next year or so I probably will forget Oh, certain man. scenes in those in this novel how can you forget but i read it as if i'm i'm reading it for the first time the the very first time i read it i was i was 
15 years old. I was a junior in high school and it was the first novel I had ever read by a black person. Mm-hmm. And um, it changed my life. It changed my life because, you know, I'm one who I'm a romantic and I love stories like this. And to see black love written in the way that she wrote it um, at that age it just blew my mind and I fell in love with the story. It's real. It's relatable. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, it's a humanization of black people. Mm -hmm. It's like, now, you know, it's like, oh, you know, what are they doing? Like, we're not in a zoo, okay? These are real people. Yeah. So, they have real experiences. Mm -hmm. They have real feelings. Mm -hmm. They have real people that they interact with. It's, they're not, they don't live in a bubble and, it's so nice to see that. Yeah. Even how she would write how the people would talk. Mm-hmm. To me, that is a big thing. And she got criticized about using that dialect, um, the black dialect, mm-hmm. and that was that was centered in the way that black folks spoke in Florida. Yes. Because there are moments where she might have been speaking to somebody from out of town, and you know they they would say that they're from this state, and, and would... you could tell in the writing that there were a change. Yes, there was a slight change in the mm-hmm, way that they mm-hmm. said certain things. But she was very dedicated in documenting the way that people said things, and um, her critics during the time that she was alive and writing would criticize her about it because they felt like that wasn't something that, I guess, white folks. Or like, should hear, or that like, we should be celebrating in a, in a way of us having our own way of speaking. Yeah, it's it's something because I grew up in a country where there are many dialects. Mm-hmm. So to me, that is not foreign. Mm-hmm. But for somebody that has only known English one way, mm-hmm. to them it's like, what is this? Like, why are you saying things like this? Mm-hmm. To you, it might sound funny. To you, it might sound inappropriate, but to the people speaking it, that is their culture. Mm-hmm. And it it takes a little bit to get used to it. But that is the beauty of seeing things differently and seeing mm-hmm. different people differently. Right, right. It's like living through their experience. Because, like, why would she write these people in a, in a different tone, right. in a different language? It's, it's a mockery to... To these human beings. Exactly, exactly. And also, it um, goes to show that, you know, that like how you said that there's you, you grew up in a, in a country where there are different dialects. Mm-hmm. And to understand that if you lived in Florida, even to this day, there are yes. certain words that is just ingrained in our culture that they don't use. When I, when I moved to Maryland for a while and mm-hmm. I was working in D.C., I remember uh, one of the people that was working there, he asked me, he was like, where are you from? And um, I said, well, I'm from Florida. And he was like, that's how y'all talk down there? Because he was from Maryland. Mm. And so, you know, he was also black, but for him to hear me say certain things, it just like, seemed what? it just seemed weird to him. But for me to hear somebody from, Balt- let's say, Baltimore... They don't say they don't even say Baltimore. They say Baltimore. They have an entire vocabulary that is mm-hmm. totally different than what you would hear here in Florida. So, you know, it goes to show you that 
that language is not we we already know language is not monolithic like it no, is like it is not buried all over the world especially in the in a region even sometime down to a certain area mm-hmm. where you ha- might have a group of people that live on one block that say certain words that they don't say on the block you know away mm-hmm. so you know it just she was such a, a good historian in about showing us like these things relate to those people it's specific to them mm-hmm. and i am celebrating that part of their culture and if you like i get it like if you are not open if your mind is not open to seeing these things then you would have a hard time reading this mm-hmm. novel mm-hmm. like um you would have to accept it's like you know it's like you've been put in florida in that time period mm-hmm. and it's either you accept it or you put down this book like there is no middle ground mm-hmm. because if you if you choose to embrace this novel you you would have to commit like you would have to do it and you would have to listen to the audiobook by yes. Ruby D. Ruby D, <laughs> rest in peace. She was an actress, she was amazing and she this is one of the legacies that she has left to us to be able to hear her voice. It's amazing. Uh she oh my nothing like God. Ruby D. I think this is like I'm an audiobook, like, you know, I'm a new to audiobook. Because to me, like, you're listening to a book, that's mm-hmm. that's treachery. <laughs> you're cheating. Because people still, yeah, they think it's not you really reading the you're book. You're cheating. But man, like, listening to Ruby D, like, changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, oh, this person reading this book is trash. <laughs> <laughs> now I have an opinion, okay? Yes. And... Uh, I, I remember in our book club, the ones that meets on the Zoom, if you you have not met with us on Zoom, come on through. What y'all waiting for? It, you don't even have to have read the book. Just come and visit us. Yeah, come say we, hi. We, we want to meet friends. Yes. But I remember when I introduced this as my birthday book for October, um, I was telling everybody to listen to the audio. Because some people might have a hard time like actually reading the book. And it is no different than if I were to give you Romeo and Juliet and tell you to read it. Because the language is what the language is of that time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there are so many different layers to this novel that, you know, once you you are able to get past the language, you're able to see how she uses the language and what is you know what is the important things yeah, in between how she like it's always like reading between the lines it's mm-hmm. not there's it's so jam-packed like this book is like so tiny and so thin it, it needed to be because mm-hmm. more than that it's gonna be like oh my god my mind is gonna explode yes yeah so their eyes were watching god is a, is a simple story about Janie. yes and um, she just, she it starts when she's like fourteen. She's like sixteen, 15, I think. Sixteen. And well, she's a teenager. She's a teenager. She's mad young, and her um, uh, you know, she's on the search for love. Actually, it doesn't start with her at that age. It starts with her coming back. I always forget this. It starts yes. with her walking back into town in her overalls. In her overalls, <laughs> she's looking dusty. She's looking dirty. She's looking like she's been through something. And you see, see, the... see right there? That's a Florida accent. <laughs> <laughs> Come through. Okay. <laughs> she done been through something, right? 
<laughs> I've been drinking, so it's really gonna come through. But uh, she she's gone through something, and the town folk are talking about it. Like here she like comes. Like every town folk. Ugh. Oh my God. Yes. This this part of the book shows you that folks will talk about you and not know a damn thing of what's damn going on. Damn if you on. do, damn if you don't. If you, like, if you tell them, it's like they're gonna judge you. If you don't tell them, they still gonna judge you. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so she she comes to town and she apparently has gone away from some for with someone mm-hmm. um, which we don't find out until later on in the book, but uh, she walks home and there are women sitting out on the porch and, and this particular person named Phoebe, which we find out is her best friend, um, best they're friend. encouraging her to go go and get the tea. Basically, <laughs> yes. Like, come on, get t- tell us what Janie has gone through and tell us what had happened to TK. Yes. I'm so like, come on, these people need need to get a grip. They they are a mess. So she goes to find out what the what the tea is and Janie basically gives her she's like, I I can start with where we at, but I'd rather start at the beginning. And she goes into telling the story about her growing up with her mm-hmm. grandmother. Her grandmother basically tells her that uh black women are nothing but the mule of the world mm-hmm. meaning that, you know, the man's gonna do whatever he wants to do and run us however they want to run us. Yeah, it starts with the white man. Mm-hmm. That's how Nanny. That's, yes, that's her grandma. That's how they call her grandma. They said that white man makes a black man work, but mm-hmm. the black man always deviates or let the the black woman basically do everything. Mm-hmm. So the black woman specifically is the mule of the world because she has has all of this. She carries mm-hmm. everything. 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 And also the you know, the attempt to be able to control this this person, right? So they use this as a metaphor. And um she you know, she sees Janie has, is kissing on a boy for the very first time after she witnesses this bumblebee pollinating a flower. <laughs> which she realizes like something inside of her has now opened. Mm. Where she's like, you know, this is this oh. is brand new. What is what is this that I'm feeling? I'm feeling hormones. And she lets this boy kiss on her and she realizes this is what it is to be yep. loved. She has crossed the border. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm sure at some point one of you all, if not me, several times have experienced this want to find love and thinking no you know what it is that she's yep. you're searching after. And for Janie it was such a it was the image was such that it was seared into her mind mm-hmm. that it was what she looked for in every single relationship that she was in. And because yeah. her grandmother saw this happening, she sold she basically sold her off um, to Logan Killix, who was like a sixty-year-old okay, man, a, a dirty old man. Mm-mm. Let me let me just tell you that he was old, but he he had property, which you know to be black. Um, he had like, land in the house, like maybe what thirty years? I'm guessing maybe like thirty years after uh, slavery had ended. It is huge, and he had like sixty acres of land. So this was a big deal for yeah. someone to have, have that type of property, right? So, 
you know, she goes into this relationship and she she soon finds out like this is not it. Nope. This is not what I want, and but I don't know exactly how to express that and how to get what it is that I'm really truly longing for until one day this go guy named Joe Starks shows up walking oh, down the Joe. street and he tells he basically is like I'm going to be the big big deal mm-hmm. and I'm going to go somewhere I and, need you um, to come with me. Yeah, and if you want to ride, meet me back here. I got to go do some things. I'm going to come back. I think it's like, I don't know, two weeks difference or something like that. I'm going to come back. We're going to go get married. We're going to go do the damn thing. Let's go. Now, mind you, she already married. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how? How can you get married like 75 million times? <laughs> like, how? How do you do this? Nobody checks. Nobody's it's, like, oh. It was different to back then. Ooh, man. That's why you had husbands that had like five wives all over I the country. I guess so. And ten children. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So she, she... You know, she's talking to Logan, trying to figure out, like, if she needs to basically stick into this marriage or not. And she realizes, this is not what I want. Nope. I'm I'm a, I'm a leave with Joe Stark. And she dips out. She goes, she runs away with Joe. Joe goes and tells her that he heard about this this town called uh, Edenville that they're going to go mm-hmm. and live in. Actually, right. he didn't know the name yet, but he knew that this town existed. Yeah. And they, they mm-hmm. he came from, they were coming from Georgia and they mm-hmm. moved to Florida. And um, they go to Edenville, and they find out, you know, it's just a bunch of black folks just sitting around not really making it into what he thought it was yeah. going to be. So he Joe, took it upon himself. To, yeah, Joe is like Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, I'm going to run this bitch. He's like, let's go. I'm going to uh, go and buy more land. Because I think at the time they only had, what, like 100 acres of land? Mm-hmm. Like, he expanded it. Mm-hmm. He built up his own post office. He his... got a street light. <laughs> that was a big deal. Hey. It was a big deal. And then he got, like, a little, like, grocery store. And I'm like, why, why you gotta leave and go to Winter Park? Exactly. And go to Orlando when you got your own right here. Right. And he became he became mayor. They made him mayor. And I think that was ultimately his goal to become yes. mayor. Yes. He was just like wielding his money, his and you know, his leadership skills. And the, and the black folks were like, Oh, let me watch this. How yeah. is he gonna do it? Now when he when he first entered, there were some men that was like <laughs> who he think he is. <laughs> You like know, Joe who Starks. is he here with this Joe pretty Starks. young thing? Because at first they thought Janie was his his daughter. Yep. And then they found out that, nope, ooh, this Damn is his man. wife. And then people wanted to, you know, bait Janie to leave Joe Starks. Yeah. So everybody at that point was trying to hit on her. They are mm-hmm. constantly hitting on her. And because he knew this, and she was kind of oblivious to it, but because he knew this, he decided that he would start doing things like making her change the way that she wore certain clothes. He would make her wear certain dresses. Even her hair. Even her hair. Like when the guy was in the store, I can't remember what character it was, but he was kind of like playing with this long plait that she had. Mm-hmm. He was playing with it. She didn't know it, but Joe saw it and he made her start wearing her hair up in, in head wraps. Yep. And, um... You know, it was like a demand. Like, you can't let nobody see your hair. It must be wrapped up all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, at this point, we start to see that Janie, who she thought 
was running away with someone who could really love her like the way that she wanted to be loved essentially was yeah basically she was made into a trophy wife yeah okay yeah and then she was not allowed to like laugh with the folks she was not allowed to joke and she played no games and she's a very smart girl so she would just stay in the store and be like okay you guys go and i'm gonna be here Mm -hmm. so she was she was basically a caged bird yeah and for people and people on the outside look like oh my god she has the best life but they didn't know that Janie was like fuck this shit yeah you know it took her a little bit for her to realize it i think it took her until joe actually passed away actually i think it was before that a little bit before that i think no? it was when he hit her Oh, yes. I know it was when he hit her. Oh, yes. When he hit her, she was like, oh, hell no. Oh, this dude is tripping, right? <laughs> and she ended up going and staying with, well, they were in separate wings of the house. And wings, then, okay. And I think I feel like at one point she ends up going and staying with Phoebe for a mm-hmm. while uh, until he get, he starts to get sick. And so oh, she, yes. the town people are basically blaming her. Janie. Again. Again, why Janie? Like... <laughs> Like, you don't know what happened after you closed the door of the house? Like, They're why? saying that she tried to poison the man, and that's why he's sick. Because, like, Joe Starks helps everybody. Joe Starks is the mayor. So, basically, Joe Starks is, like, the star mm-hmm. of this, of Eatonville. Mm-hmm. So, and Janie is kind of just, like, you know, in the background. So, they, they were thinking, like, oh, Janie wanted to poison him. Janie wanted to kill him so she can get all of the money. But that wasn't the truth. Yep. She was just in a really bad relationship with the man who's only focused on power and status and only wanted his wife to be present in the way that he felt that she needed to be present. And, you know, there's no way to debate whether either Logan or Joe like actually loved her. I think they loved her, but I think it was more of like... It's based on what I can provide for you as a husband rather yeah. than the re- actual relationship that these two people had. Because they didn't see her as as an equal. Right. And I think that's what Janie wanted the most. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. be seen as a, a human being, not as a possession. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, you know, these men were, were very into... They're very successful. Both, both Logan and Joe. Mm-hmm. They, got, they got money. They got property. So to them, you know, another, she's basically another, like, you know, another possession. Trophy wife. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Young, beautiful. So, what, yeah. like, what else can you ask for? Right. And they're, they're, the thing is, like, with, like, the male, the male mind, I'm providing for you. I've given you everything. Why are you complaining? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the problem? Mm-hmm. They don't see that women wanted to be seen as like a partner and not just something that you 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 tug along with and you you know you present to people yeah and you don't let her be her there's one of my uh, favorite lines from that uh novel of after he hit her it says that something fell off the shelf inside of her Mm. and that line it is it hits so hard because it's in that moment, she realizes, like, this is not... I didn't want to be in this bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not what I thought it, love was supposed to be. 
I've been trying to do right by this man. I've wasted basically 20 years. Yeah, Because she she's almost into her, you know, well into her 40s. Yes. And she's wasted all of this time being with this man. And like her prime was yeah, wasted. Wasted on being this doll that he had created her to be. And um, so Joe starts, he eventually dies. Yeah, and Jamie um, gets all of it. She has to, you know, do the whole like mourning. I'm a widow. I gotta wear black. I gotta still keep my hair wrapped up, but be. But when she, he did die, there was a moment that she had where she unwrapped the head wrap and mm-hmm. she just looked in the mirror, and it was almost like she just took a breath. It was almost like a, I felt like a sigh of relief, and then she puts the head back on, head wrap back on because it's in that moment she's like, I gotta be the thing to these people of the town. Yeah, it's real, I gotta it's, keep up appearance even after this it's man mostly died. for It's mostly for, for the town folk. Because mm-hmm. she knew that if she didn't do that, then you know, they're gonna be like, oh yeah, she's just in it for the money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, so she, you know, does her morning thing. She wears all black and then eventually she switches to white and this young boy comes to town. Yeah, this is when things get get exciting <laughs> and like, you know, it becomes a little bit different, but not really. <laughs> We're going to get into that. So um, she reads Tea Cake. I don't even remember Tea Cake's like real name. It was Virgible Woods. Tea Cake then. <laughs> <laughs> Much better than Virgible. That's so country. <laughs> But you got you got uh, TK. TK was from Orlando. <laughs> he was from Orlando and um, visiting, and he starts making friends with her. And it was during the time where everybody had gone to the baseball game, and she didn't go. And I think it was more so of her being stuck in her old ways of like having to keep the store open because her husband didn't allow her to go and participate yeah. in activities. So anything. <laughs> anything. So he he comes visiting her. And they decide. I think at that point he teaches her how to play checkers. Yeah, because it's like she she never she never got a chance to do it. And mm-hmm. you know, and TK goes like, "Oh, you're actually pretty good at this." And Janie was like, "Duh, I got a brain." <laughs> you know, like, "Hello, <laughs> it's checkers. How hard can it be?" <laughs> like, stupid shit. Yeah. So <laughs> they he, develop a friendship. They do a quick one. So much so that I think on the very first night he walks her home mm-hmm. and it, and she kind of like, it's already in mid-walk, but then has hesitation because she realizes like, oh snap. She's never done this before. I've never done this. I'm doing this with a stranger. He could be trying to take advantage mm-hmm. of me, but I, I'm also already falling into this person. Mm-hmm. And she starts to, you know, really go after him. Not go after him, but she's really interested in him in the very beginning. Yeah. And she's trying to get information, and it happens to be that uh, Hezekiah, this young man that helps her run the store, mm-hmm. kind of is, you know, she uses him to fish some information out. Yes. Try to find out, like, you know. Who, who is he? Who is what? he with? What does he do? Yeah. Why is he here? <laughs> yeah, because she wants to know basically: is he single? Yes, that's that's the main point. And right it was there. such a good way that she did it. Like, I'm like, women, women be getting that information. We get yeah. we get the info, and she's like, oh, like you know, acting so innocently, Miss mm-hmm. Janie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So Miss Starks. Jane and she gets that info and she finds out that Tea Cake is single. And they they basically start this love affair. At first she was hesitant and he told her, he was like, I like you, you know, like I want yeah, us to do up. this thing and she's like, You too young, I can't do this. I think also she was worried that she was gonna be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, basically convinces her to uh to uh let's go and let's just have these adventures together and then they end up getting married mm-hmm. running away yeah, but before that the town folk had to say something they always got to say something like phoebe was there again i'm like oh Janie, like <laughs> make sure you know you look out for yourself yeah told and, her to take the money and i'm like ma'am she's a grown woman whatever she want to do it's on her but you know what i think it wouldn't i think it makes sense that phoebe would do that you know because that's your friend looking out for you right it's no true. different than than in such a fun age with zara phoebe <laughs> is essentially zara like hey you know this is what you really want to do be careful because Mm -hmm. this could turn out to be something that is just like similar to um a person in town miss miss tyler taylor she experienced the same thing where she she was having she had this history of her dating young men anyway and she always gets up being bamboozled and who flung (laughs) these names some of these (laughs) names are hilarious who flung came in (laughs) And he, you know, he basically, you know, seduced her. And it ended up where he took all of her money, everything. Yep. And she came back. She came back like a hot mess. Mm-hmm. And she didn't really have anything else to her name because no. he convinced her to, I think, sell her house. and Everything that she owned in Eastendale. It's just so sad. So sad. So, you know, obviously her friend wouldn't want her to come back in that situation. Which but I don't, she... I don't, I don't think... There was a problem with that, but it was like the town people who were quick to judge. Like Phoebe, like mm-hmm. would you let your your best friend do this and do that with mm-hmm. tea cake? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, and oh. the men were worried about it too because they didn't want her dating tea. They were upset because they kind of like were offering themselves to her, but she didn't take she it. She didn't want it. And then here comes a youngin, <laughs> aka tea cake, and he doing get- all the stuff. And he gets dibs, and yeah. they they were just upset. It was jealousy. Haters gonna hate. Haters <laughs> gonna hate. Even even in even in the early times. <laughs> <laughs> then they they leave. They hop in the car. They go to they go to the muck. They go to the muck. But before they get to the muck, they they make a stop at a like a like almost similar to a hostel type situation. They're staying in this hotel, and he tells her, I'm going to go out and look for some stuff, and I'm coming back. And he doesn't come back home. And her money is gone. Her, She finds out that he took her money. She had, like, $200 pinned into her dress, but told him, I think, that she only had, like, $10 Ten. or something like that. $200 in that time is a big deal. Oh, yeah. It's still a big deal. I'm something. guessing maybe that $10 was probably equivalent to maybe, like, like $100. I don't know. And then maybe the two hundred is equivalent to maybe something like two two thousand. So it's a lot of money. He takes her money, mm-hmm. and he's gone for a while. And like she, week. she's just like, "What the fuck? Like, what am I? 
what am I supposed to do here by myself? They done told me this man was going to do this. He ends up showing up and he's trying to look all nice and cute and bright and all that kind of stuff. And he starts telling her this elaborate story about how he was going to go and get something to eat. And he found the money, and then he started thinking about all the things he could do with the money. And it's he a, ends up having, like, throwing a party. And, for, like, party, and then there's gambling involved. And I'm like, when I hear the gambling, and I'm just like, Well, the oh. gambling came later because that was when he was trying to make the money back that he took from mm-hmm. her. So from the, the money that oh, he used God. that she brought was to essentially buy everybody, all these strange folks, food. And have a good night and have a good time, which end up turning into, like, a brawl. Everywhere Tea Cake went, there was a fight. But anyway, uh, he he spent all of her money. And in the conversation, she keeps saying, well, why didn't you take me? And he blames it on, oh, you wouldn't have wanted to hang out with folks like me. Like low folks like me. With a woman like you. And like, she already left Edenville. <laughs> she sold all her shit and came with you. Like, yeah. how? How? Why? That made me so mad. Like, yeah. in the beginning, like, I knew Tea Cake was trouble from the very beginning. Well, he was trouble when he had made the first promise to her and he didn't show up. And then he did it again when he took her with her on this trip and didn't take her when he went to go spend her money. So he was having all of these moments of, like, not following through as a as a boyfriend should, or at this point, a husband. A husband. Because she's now Janie Woods. She's married again. She's married for the third time. To this man who is going off and spending her money and not T-Gig being is, honest. T-Gig is a flaker. But she, she continues to see it through. He, he flashes his smile and does what he does. And the next thing, you know, he ends up saying, like, I'm going to make the money back. But unfortunately, when he goes to make the money back, he's, like, gambling. He thinks he's doing all right. He's making money, but then there's another fight that starts, and he gets, I think he gets stabbed. He at gets this point. stabbed. Yeah, he gets stabbed at this point, and now they gotta make money, right? <laughs> they gotta make more money to to live. He was able to make out with like three hundred and thirty dollars or yeah, twenty nine or something like that. Three hundred twenty five. They leave to go to the muck. They go to to the Everglades, to South Florida to work and essentially it was him doing all the work in the very beginning but he was coming home like during his lunch break to see her yeah but then you know he soon confesses that he misses her so much and wants her to be with him under the guise of like i don't want you to be at home while i'm out here working and slaving away and you're not doing anything but it came off to make it seem as if, oh, I miss you. I miss you. Can you just, like, be with me while I work? And Janie was like, oh, yeah, I got nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, girl. And he's like, are you sure? So, you know, he's, like, doing that Jedi mind trick that some fuck boys do to get girls to do things that they don't want to do. Yeah, Janie, Janie never did like manual labor. It wasn't no. her thing. Nope. 
Like, everybody took care of her until they, the, they started complaining about it, but they continued <laughs> to take care of her. From the very beginning, from the from Logan up to Tea Cake. Yeah. So, they're out there in the muck, and she's having a grand old time because she's getting to know everybody. But, um, unfortunately, during their, during their stay there, um, there comes a storm. A hurricane. And the Native Americans that are living in that that area, they they warn them because they're yeah. the first they're the first people that you see leave. Well, actually, they're the first people, but you see the animals start to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're the first people to say, "Hey, we gotta go." You know, y'all are more than welcome to ride out with us. You know, it's best in your interest to leave now mm-hmm. because it's a hurricane coming. Yep. And tea cake is like, oh, we'll be okay, we'll be fine, and mm-hmm. until they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> I. It is one thing to put your trust in someone, but when you when you put your life in someone's hands, that's a whole another thing right there. I was so mad at tea cake. I won't be fucking around with no hurricane. I mean, now, what we know about now, but they're, they're like, oh, no, white folks are moving out. Why would, he got, why would we have to go? And I'm like, never trust! But he was so hooked on trying to make money. Exactly. That he wasn't concerned about their their life, their well-being. And unfortunately, they get caught in this hurricane. And um, they have a friend... Oh goodness! Mo- was it motorboat? It's motorboat. Motorboat. <laughs> Never forget it. A- accompanies them on this journey of, of basic- trying to find safe space. Yep, basically find trying to find dry land. Yeah, and they end up like finding after getting washed in the in the flood, they end up uh, finding this house in a in a, a few cities over, and they go into this house and. They're like, we got to get out of here. It's not safe. Motorboat's like, I'm staying here. I'm not going. I got to sleep. And they're like, man, you crazy. I don't know what's up with Motorboat. <laughs> motorboat just was trying to get some rest. He was like, I need self-care. <laughs> I need to sleep. And uh, we going to be all right. And so, you know, like, I, I could not live in that mentality. I don't know how. Not with no hurricane. <laughs> But he stays in the house. They keep going forward, and it gets worse. There's more water, and they're met with a cow that's floating in the water. Yeah, it's like a hurricane. It's like what you see on TV, hurricane. <laughs> oh, brother, where art thou? Have you ever seen that movie? Mm-mm. It's a really good movie. I think it's by the Coen Brothers, but it's kind of like based in the same time frame as as uh, their eyes were watching God, like mm-hmm. the early 1900s. And um, it follows these three people who break out of prison. And they work in the chain gang. And um, they become famous by singing this song. And um, they have this whole career and all this stuff. But they're still running from they're running from the police <laughs> that's trying to catch them. But towards the end of the movie, there's this huge flood that wipes them away. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the, one of the main character, he's kind of like an atheist, but it is in this moment where he finds religion and he's just like, God, just save us from this, this storm. And so that moment of them being, they end up being saved mm-hmm. during the storm, 
But that moment of them being in that water, it just reminded me so much of their eyes were watching God because mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, how are y'all going to survive this? You don't challenge nature. No. No, you, you don't. You don't challenge, like, the, the natural forces. Those are, like, like wind energy, like, water. You, you, you Fire. Don't, none you, of that. Like, the earth. You don't challenge the earth. Climate change is real. Anyway. Mother nature is going <laughs> to let you know. So, you, you, you don't play around with those. Mm-mm. But T-Gig has his priorities in a different thing. So... This is the most, like, I don't know. What happens to tea cake while they were trying to... So, yeah, you see, like, you know, animals floating around. And one of them, all of a sudden, there was a rabid dog. That was that was holding on to the cow that they were holding on to to survive. Ex- exactly. Everybody holding on. They're all holding on to the cow. Life. Just imagine that. <laughs> <clears throat> that is such a sight to see, but it's it's the way she described that scene. It's very graphic, like a cow and a rabbit dog that's holding on to this cow mm-hmm. that ends up biting Tea Cake's his face. Like he got a good chunk of his face. Yep. And you know, once they were able to like get out of that whole craziness and get on dry land, Janie throughout the entire last end of the book is telling him, you need to see a doctor. You need to see a doctor. Yeah, and Tiki was like, no, I'll be all right. I just need to take a rest. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be fine. Like, in a day or two, I'll be back to normal. I can go to back to work again. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to venture out and look at the damage. This is such a Florida thing to do, by the way, of, like, after a hurricane, wanting to go out and see... Like, what happened over there? And I have done this. Like, the last hurricane um, that came through Florida, my nephew stayed with me. And after all was done, we, like, got in my car. And we, like, drove all these streets. When we, <laughs> It was, like, clearly there was a curfew. We were not supposed to have left the house. But we just... We just... We were so tired. And we just wanted to go and leave. And we were seeing, like... The huge, like, signs on the highway mm-hmm. had now, like, fallen onto the street. Mm-hmm. We, You know, you're seeing trees pulled down. It's a sight to see. So I get why T-Cake wanted to do that. But unfortunately, Janie had warned him, like, it's white folks where we are. This is not a safe town that we're in. You yeah. got to be careful. And he's like, oh, I'll be fine. But he ends up getting pulled into helping buried uh the dead bodies from those from the storm um by these two white men who were walking down the street with these guns that had been pulled to do this job and they they essentially make him do the work um and they have to bury all the black people in a massive grave all the white ones they got to pull the side so that they can be put into coffins into their own pine coffin and they're talking like it's like it's nothing as if you're just putting them in a cardboard box but they're kind of like why do they get to have a casket and these black bodies don't oh Mm. because there's not enough just pour some lime on it and put them in the hole pretty much and um Zora Neale Hurston she wrote in such a manner that unfortunately 
documented what was happening to black folks during that time that continue to still happen to people of color now right so you know them being buried in this massive grave while Mm -hmm. white folks get their own coffin to be you know properly buried speaks most twos of like the the disenfranchisement of black people and you think systemic racism doesn't exist but it does. It does. It does. It and does. Even with TK, after he got bit in his face and she's telling him to go to the doctor, and he was like, we don't have no money to go to the doctor. We can't go to the doctor. Those, that statement, mm-hmm. that is something that I have said myself. And it is 2020. Yeah. You're debating on how to keep yourself alive. Is this yep. something that I can patch up at home? Is this something that I can just wait out and just yeah. hope that it doesn't kill me? You we'll know, because I don't have the money to go to the doctor. I don't have the insurance. Mm-hmm. It just shows you, like, these are, we're still dealing with the social economical issues that they were dealing with during this time. It's still prevalent. Yep. The cancer hasn't been cured. Right. So, you know, he has to bury these bodies so which means he's gone for a while he's gone for a few days Mm -hmm. when he comes back you know they get in a huge argument about it because she's like where the fuck you been because at this point she's thinking he's doing the same bullshit again yep but he you know this is the first time that we actually taken to where he is Mm-hmm. And we realize, okay, in this moment, he's not lying because Zora Neale has allowed us to um, be there in the moment with him. Mm-hmm. And we understand, okay, he didn't lie about this. He did. <laughs> but unfortunately, Janie doesn't have Zora Neale Hurston to tell her that he's not lying. Yeah, because if it's been done to you twice, like, come on, man. Like, how can you trust him like, again? Fool me twice. So they get in a huge fight. But then it turns into them, you know, making up, and she's just like, okay. But he ends up getting real sick, so much so that she, uh, she had to get a doctor and come to find out that because of the dog bite, oh, they end up leaving that town. They end up escaping yeah, and going and back. They they went back to the Everglades. And um, the doctor, Doctor Simmons, tells them, you know, tells them like, hey, you know you uh contract he basically contracted rape rabies yep rabies and um she tells Janie like you cannot sleep in the same room with him because he knows that this man is going to go crazy yep and it's and it's real like i don't i don't know if a lot of people have seen rabies because probably in this country in america you give shots to dogs and stuff like that but where i grew up like I have seen patients with rabies. What? So to me, like, yes. Um, I I did nursing school in the Philippines. So we had to go to um, public hospitals mm-hmm. with people that have rabies. So it's not, you know, healthcare is very different in a third world country. Um, so yeah, like, you know, you have stray dogs everywhere. Not everybody is vac- has vaccines. Not everybody is owned by somebody. So you don't know. Do they go crazy? They do. They really do. It's a. It's a. It's based on science. So, 
with the with, I guess they have hallucinations and everything. Yes, like they like don't like water. They every symptoms, every symptom that she talked about in that book. Yes, it is accurate. Wow. Like she did her research because it is true. Like at that time, I can't imagine how that can happen because you know, it's it it probably like science is just trying to find out what diseases animals can cause human. Mm-hmm. But probably as evolution and then, you know, America becoming America, they get like vaccines and they do research. But unfortunately in countries like the Philippines, not that we don't have the people that can think of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They're very smart people, but their resources are lacking. With rabies, like in the novel, when TK the doctor says he's gone too far there's nothing that we could do because there was if he had been called in earlier in the initial part after he had gotten bitten he says he could have gotten him some shots and he would have been fine yeah with someone in that state that he had gotten to with where we are now and you have been a nurse in that point are they able to come out of that or you all just wait for them to I don't quite remember also because I'm also a little tipsy, but wait, I, you were, oh, you mean tipsy now, not while yeah. you were working on them. <laughs> no, I, hey, 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 I had fun when I was in college, but not when I was on duty. Okay. <laughs> Let's get that straight. This is a judgment free zone. <laughs> You never, you never know who's listening. They can judge. <laughs> but you, you, you never saw like if they. I don't think I. I don't remember if they can reverse it. And you can correct me if I am wrong. Like you know, if I, there are any medical people out there, hit us up in the comments after you give us five stars. But just still hit us up in the comments. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've seen I've seen them being strapped. I don't think you can do anything after after oh, they've been man. consumed by rabies. Is it scary to watch them in that state? Yeah, I've seen it. It's like, oh man. Oh man. Like I think they go to like an asylum or like Yeah. Wow. So with tea cake, you know, it's unfortunate cuz like he didn't get the proper care. He goes crazy. He becomes jealous in his rage towards Janie and she has already known that you know this is going to happen and she was warned she, by she the started doctor. preparing it you know like she took the gun she took out three bullets not all of the bullets but only three in case I guess if he looked and realized like oh she done took all the bullets out of this gun mm-hmm. she knows what's up and then she takes the rifle and she breaks it down so that she can get to it just in case Mm-hmm. And and just like how she thought it was going to happen, it happens. He pulls out the gun. He shoots three times, tries to hit her, but there's no bullets. And then the, as the bullet fires, she fires at him, thinking that, you know, her holding that gun to him would, like, snap him out of it. But unfortunately, no, it doesn't. It it and she ends up killing him. And, you know, she's broken, like. I just had to kill the love of my life. Yep. And she was in grief, like real grief. Yeah. Like there that was the one thing that I would like I think never forget when she said like, you know, I'm I'm grieving because not because of other people at this moment. I'm mm-hmm. grieving because 
I really lost my love. Yeah. And to me, that was like, oh man, that's when, that's when you knew like, oh, like it's it's gonna be really hard from here on forward. Yeah. Yeah. For Jamie and, you know, she basically lost everything. She gambled her life to be with TK. Yeah. Yeah, she could have been comfortable in Eatonville, be basically you know the most respected widow there is mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in that place, but no, she followed her heart. She yeah. followed what would make her happy. Unfortunately, he died. Yep, by her hands, mm-hmm. and because she killed him, she got arrested. Yep, and there's was, a whole court case. She was put a trial. There's a trial, and this is the part of one of the things in the book that I forget that happened. And I think I I forget it because it feels unnecessary because she gets off. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not like we don't learn anything new. Mm -hmm. I think the purpose of that trial was only because she killed somebody. And you can't just be like, oh, I killed somebody. Let's jump to the end of the chapter. Peace out. Let me go back. You know, there are rules in real life. Like, you go to jail. There's a trial. You you, you know, you might end up going to prison. Like, what happened? She was, she was, she was cleared of all of her charges, but there was a lot of judgment still. Because TK was loved by everybody. Yeah. You know, he was he was very charming and he he was friends with all of the people in the muck. So they were like judging Janie yet again mm-hmm. of her actions and you know, oh she she killed her this and that. She's not happy anymore, blah blah blah. Cause she just got in jealous of the of the girls, like where they work at. I'm just like stupid shit. Just mm-hmm. to, to just to just so that they can say something and so that they can put their two cents on on Jamie. Yeah. So um, she has a funeral for him. All the people who have gone to the trial and talk shit. Yep. Come to the funeral because that's what they view. That's <laughs> what that's, that's what we do. And uh, they, you know, get in her face and they apologize about yep. what they and, said. And, and then they realize that at that point in time... Like, nobody that didn't really love Tea Cake would put on a grand old funeral for yeah, him. Yeah, like it, That it, it wasn't just for show, that it, she actually did love yep. him. And, um, at that point, she's back to sitting next to Phoebe, wrapping up the story, and Phoebe is just in awe and shock and just like, what? Phoebe was shook. <laughs> That's a long-ass conversation to get an entire story about her growing up and all that, but, um... I guess she wants to tell it right by TK. And then she goes and tells them... And then she goes to tell them, like, you know, tell Phoebe, like, go do what you want with this information. hmm You know, go ahead and tell those women. I don't care. Because at the end of the day, she knew, like, they're still going to have their opinions about her. It doesn't change. And it won't change a damn thing. Not a, not a thing. But she just was like, "You, I'm telling you the story because you are my friend. Mm-hmm. And I tell you everything. And so like this you're is my it. oldest friend. Mm-hmm. And um, so we are, we end with her finding, I guess, essentially finding peace and knowing that she found love. Um, and, and it ending in such a traumatic experience for her, but mm-hmm. still 
you know, she can say she found exactly it what it was that she was searching on that horizon for. Yeah. And um she basically got to live her life. Yeah. This is a good story in regards to what it means for black women to dream. Uh and that was what her grandmother was trying to convey to her. Like, you shouldn't hold on to things that won't come true for you. Like, you should be concerned about, like, finding somebody who's going to take care of you financially yeah. and, and all of these things. Because at that time, she knew that it was very hard for black folk to live out their their wants and desires. Yeah, and, you know, I can see where... Her grandma is at because that's that is what you do. Yeah, like as an adult, that is what you have to guarantee for the people that you're gonna leave behind. Mm-hmm. And, and oh, and she, I mean, she had a traumatic experience with mm-hmm. on her own of like giving birth to her daughter and her because just... she was raped by the slave master, mm-hmm. and you know, essentially the 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 woman is telling her like I'm giving you like a month and then I'm selling that baby. Yep. Like, you know, you think you think you everything, but not today. My husband is gone. I'm going to run this place like I want to. Mm-hmm. And so she had to do what she needed to do and that was to escape with Janie's mom only to have Janie get Janie's mom get pregnant with Janie. Yeah. And then she's like, I just don't want that to happen to you. And that's why she sold her off, essentially, to Logan uh, Killix, and just just to secure Janie's like future, and technically, so she can die a peaceful death, knowing mm-hmm. that Janie is taken care of. Because it's, and she was like, you know, I failed with your mother. I'm not gonna fail with you yeah. yet again. Mm-hmm. I refuse to, mm-hmm. because. You know, we're already marginalized. You can't get... You, I don't want you to go lower than where we are right now. Yeah, yeah. So, there is a lot of things to unpack within this story. I don't know why I said the word unpack, because that's such a thing that I try not to do. But <laughs> there are a lot of things to take apart in this story. Um, from the way that she used history because a lot of these characters actually did exist. Joe Clark was a real person. Captain Eaton for who Eatonville is is named for was Mm -hmm. a real person. A lot of these characters were real people. And like I said earlier, this was uh, semi-based off of Zora Neale Hurston's life. Mm -hmm. She was married three times. Mm -hmm. And um, Oh, you told me like the the fight between Janie and Tea Cake is one that actually happened mm-hmm. between her and like her third husband. Um, so these were like ripped from the headlines of Zora <laughs> Neale Hurston's life. Uh, but also outside of the realistic features, she there was something I didn't notice um, until now of like the magical realism of when the <laughs> there's a mule. There's a story about a mule in there that ends up dying. Mm-hmm. And when it dies, there are vultures that come to eat it. Mm-hmm. And they start talking about, like, what part of the mule they're going to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was... And it's never, like, you know, made to seem as if it was, like, an imaginary thing. But it was a real conversation. So I'm mm-hmm. like, this story has so many layers to it. It's beautiful. It's like rose blossoming mm-hmm. as we read it. 
so if you have not had a chance to read anything by Zora Neale Hurston, let this one be your first introduction into her, mm-hmm. into her world of writing. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, it it is it is something to read because I haven't read anything from her, mm-hmm. and you know I I always vouch for I like historical fiction, so I I like to know the story of the people because mm-hmm. that's essentially what historical fiction is, and. I did not expect, you know, I'm like, what is really in Florida? Like before, you know, because people joke about Florida, like, oh, this is where all the old white folks retire. <laughs> and like, oh, what is Florida beyond Disney? Like it, it might seem to other people that Florida is just kind of like really like a little annex in the United States that can disappear. Mm-hmm. Like at any given time, mm-hmm. especially during the elections. disappear. But we digress. <laughs> yes. But it is very refreshing to see something that, that no, you know, not a lot of people, I feel like, especially people like me that weren't really born in Florida, mm-hmm. wasn't raised in Florida, to know a little bit about the history of Florida. And it, it, and it seems like, you know, it's, it's kind of like a breath of fresh air. Because it's it's something that you won't see all the time. Mm-hmm. That is that how is Florida talked about and the characters that are in Florida. Because um, you know what is in Florida? Oh, it's just orange groves all the way. But you tend to forget people that live in that in that in that state. Yeah, and to know that oh, this is how like one of the cities in Florida has been established. This is about like real people in these times. I I I I had fun. I had fun reading it. This is a really good book and like how you were talking about the orange groves and I was thinking about driving down. There's a a main uh road called Colonial and then another one called Old Winter Garden Road. And driving down Old Winter Garden Road when I was younger, I just remember like just a lot of land and nothing but oranges. And going into Winter Garden. Like, that's all you would see. And now at the age I am, you know, some some 40 years later, I drive down that same street, and those orange groves that used to be there are no longer there. It's like subdivisions now. And I feel like what she has done in her writing is help us remember how things once were. Mm -hmm. um, And the historical things that has taken place. Because the storm that they went, that they survived I because I, I decided like, like let me look online and see if there were any major storms during that time and there was one that happened in that same area in mm-hmm. Okeechobee area um, that I feel like that was what she was talking about because yeah, there were a lot of lives to... it was a huge storm mm-hmm. and there were a lot of people that died from it so um, yeah and that's an essential thing about Florida mm-hmm. like the hurricanes are real down here mm-hmm. you know it's it's about it's about the power of the water. Yeah. The hurricanes, the stories of Native Americans, because Native Americans were essential, especially during um, slavery, because they were essentially those living in the South that helped es- help black folks escape. Mm-hmm. And one of the places that they escaped to was, like, South Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where that's where black folks lived alongside of Native Na- Americans. Native Americans. So... Read her stuff, learn about her, 
if you can, I highly recommend watching the Oprah uh, produced movie starring Haley Berry <laughs> of Their Eyes Were Watching God. It does an, a remarkable job at retelling this story. Obviously, you cannot put everything in it, but I think of all the book adaptations that I've ever seen, that that movie does a good job. Only hitch is that um, Tea Cake is described as a very dark-skinned black man, but is played by light-skinned uh, black man in the television show. But I think that the person that they chose was the hot commodity at the time, they, and they, they chose to go that route. I kind of wish they didn't. I'm, I'm sure there were hot black folks, actors that they could have chosen. But, but that was who they chose. It is what Haley. it is. Yeah, but... The, the movie in itself is great. Go watch it. It's on YouTube. You can watch it for free. I really think that's probably the only place that you can see this movie. Um, so go, go do that. And um, if you can, hopefully when the pandemic is over, come on down to Florida. <laughs> go to stop by Edenville. Edenville. Support the museum. There's a museum there um, that's ran by NY Theory, And um, she has been... Uh, an extremely pivotal person in our community at raising awareness of who Zora Neale Hurston is and mm -hmm. keeping the the um, the information going for generations after. Um, it, this is my favorite book. As I said before, it's a book that I would try to get all of my high school students to read <laughs> that would come into the library and listen to me go on and on about it. Um, I have several copies that I lose on a regular basis. She does have a lot of copies. I love this. I just, I love it. It's an automatic five fangs for me. And I personally want to say thank you for coming with me on this journey of reading this book. Yeah, it's so much fun. Like, if if not for you, I probably would have not picked it. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, I, I gravitate on, on other things. But mm -hmm. I didn't... What I came to realize is, like, I, lo I love historical fiction. And this is the... Hist it's a his historical book. Mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. I realized it, I think, when I was, like, in the middle of the story. And I'm like, hold the fuck up. <laughs> like, whoa, hold, hold, hold on a second. Yeah. So I was like, you know, like, as, as I read it, I'm just like, you know, like, the transformation in, like, in my head is happening. Mm-hmm. And I I just want for people to experience the same thing. But just like I said, you got to be open to learning. Yeah. Period. 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 You got to be open to learning. Um, and when you do that, it's it's a whole another world out there for yeah. you. And it's 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 fun. It's exciting. And yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's go. So uh, join us. Once again, um, thank you for joining us on, on this journey. Yes. <laughs> of uh, Forks and Fangs. I'm still a little tipsy. I can't get my words out right now. It's all right. They used to but it. But we're celebrating because we've been drinking all day. <laughs> They're used to it. We're coughing. We're doing, we're doing all the sounds today. But it's all right. It's okay. It's real. <laughs> we're here to guide you through our, all of our foolishness. <laughs> thank so. you for, for sticking out. Stick it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you for sticking around 
I don't know how many episodes are we on right now. I think when this one comes out, it will be episode like 220. 252. <laughs> it's grown. We grown now. It'll be episode 20. Yeah, so we're in our twants. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, it's it's um now it's we're in November. We're going to close out December and it's going to be a brand new year. Literally. Literally in all kinds of ways. <laughs> Out with the old. 2020 can suck it as... After 2020 is over, I'm not saying that year ever again. No. Never, ever, ever, ever. We're gonna... 2020 would go down in the history books. In flames. That's how it goes down. <laughs> in flames. Buried, cremated, some something. Yeah. But tonight... Um, is a remarkable night, and we're gonna go and finish celebrating by watching um, Dave Chappelle on SNL, woohoo! And um, drink some more, and uh, yeah. So thank you. Good night. Good morning. Have a nice, have a nice day. Have a nice week. And, and yeah, and be good to yourself. Wear a mask. <laughs> Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Bye. Deuces. We hope you enjoyed our show. Follow us on Instagram at Vulgar Geniuses Book Club. Our theme song was produced by Sean Kantrowitz. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Dammit. That's spelled S-E-A-N-D-A-M-M-I-T. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. See you next time. Deuces.